Hey, once again, good morning, everyone. Hey, I've entitled my message today, uh, uh, Are You Alert and Are You Prepared? This is the uh, second of a three-part series uh, looking at uh, the last days, the end times. Uh, if you weren't here last week and you're interested in getting that message, you can go out to the Connections table and sign up and, and we'll get one made for you. Or you can also uh, go to our website, www. Uh, Connections uh, FCCO, it should be on your bulletin.org, and listen to it that way. But um, anyway, so we're going to talk a little bit about this. Let's pray together. Father, these are important days on the earth. You are furthering your plan and your agenda. And for whatever reason in your sovereignty, you chose that we would live in this time. We're not here by accident, but that you want us to be living in this time. For such a time as this, you have and are preparing us for what's coming. I pray that I would be faithful to share your word and your heart. I pray that every heart and mind here would be open and receptive and contemplative and that, Lord, you would prepare us. Lord, as a pastor, you've asked me to watch over these souls. And so I want to do my best job, Lord, to share the thoughts that I think you've given me. I would rather share more that we might be prepared than to share less and not be prepared. So, Lord, as we open your word today and we talk about an important subject, give us wisdom, give us discernment. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, during your educational or schooling years, did you score better on a pop quiz or when you knew a test was coming? Think about it for a moment. I shared this question with you last week, and I told you that, that Tess and I don't really get along. And uh, we decided that we just wouldn't partner together anymore. Uh, and so I'm not looking forward to any more tests in life, at least that educational test. But when I was going to school and when I was paying half attention, um, it was always helpful for me to know that a test was coming. Never very good with pop quizzes. If we're living in the last days, the end times, do you think you'll be better off just trying to handle situations the best you can when something happens or by preparing ahead of time? I want to be gracious, and I want to be loving, and I want to be kind. But I want to tell you, I think it's absolutely foolish and unwise for us to bury our heads in the sand. You know, I think for a lot of human beings, it, it is very natural that if we don't think about it, if we deny it, if we ignore it, somehow it'll go away. How many of you know it doesn't work? How many of you know the book's been written? How many of you know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus and the apostles said it was the last days? So obviously we are living in the last days, so we need to be alert. We need to be prepared. And to just hope it's not going to happen in our lifetime or, or just to ignore it would not be to our advantage or to honor God in preparation. The Bible speaks quite clearly that in the last days, the end times, Christians are to be alert and prepared. So the question is, are you? 
Are we? You know, I, I haven't been a big studier or, or spent a lot of time with the end times I did when I first became a believer back in the 70s and got into ministry and had to take eschatology and the study of last times. And, and I did all of it. I haven't done that much. And the last couple of weeks as I've been thinking about that and preparing and reading and studying, and I'm not sure I'm really ready. And I'm not sure I'm really prepared. But God knows my heart is wanting to be. And I have a responsibility before Him and before you to help us to try to become alert and aware if we're not. So I want to talk today first about six specific signs of the last times and, and the end times. This is obviously not an exhaustive list. We're going to share some more next week. And this is really not in depth. Many of you know there's a difference between preaching and teaching. The Bible says Jesus came preaching and teaching. And I know there's sometimes there's an argument between preachers and teachers. What I found is preachers love teachers. We love, I'm a preacher, they, we love those teachers that, man, are just so precise and they pull words apart and they fit everything together and they interconnect all of that and we go, wow, I love that. But teachers really don't like preachers because we take rabbit trails and we go here and there and we yell and we go all over and we pump it up and they go, what are they doing up there? So uh, there has to be a combination of preaching and teaching and, and I'm a preacher, so, so this is not going to be incredibly in-depth. Each, each one of these six, we could take one week and really give illustrations and break it apart and really take a look at it. But part of my philosophy, even in preaching, is I want to lay it out there, and then I'm going to expect or hope or pray that you'll want to go a little deeper, so you'll do the reading. You'll do some instruction. And if you don't know where or how to do that, let me know. But I'm wanting you to take some initiative beyond Sunday morning so that you can study, you can grow, that you understand. See, you gain a whole lot more when you learn it yourself rather than somebody telling you. But today I want to talk about six signs that I believe are very characteristic, biblically oriented in regard to being alert and prepared for the last days. First one is lawlessness. In the last days, there will be an increase of lawlessness. If you look to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to read verses 1 through 12, and I think you'll see that. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you is not in vain. But even after we have suffered before and were spitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel. I think I'm in the wrong one. Reading going on. I was in First Thessalonians, so forget all that I just said. I was saved because it was in the Bible. Sorry. This is Second Thessalonians 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together uh, to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by the word or by letter, as if from us, uh, as though the, the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you, I'll talk about that in a moment, uh, by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, 
who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself he is God. Uh, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And uh, now you know that uh, what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Listen, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until the time he's taken out. Listen. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Listen again. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan in all power, signs, lying, wonders, and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them uh, uh, send them strong deception or delusion that they shouldn't be, that they should believe the lie that they uh, all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Please listen to me. Satan, Lucifer, the devil disliked and rebelled against the law. Of God. And as a fallen angel, and the Bible says the ruler of this human sphere, he is the author and the ruler of lawlessness. We need to understand that. In the end days, lawlessness will abound, it will thrive, it will spread in all kinds of different places. Lawlessness is a disdain and a disrespect. Of the rule of law, both spiritually and naturally. With a contemporary belief today, whether you've been in school recently or not, educational system, and in our culture, Western culture, we have a thought or a philosophy, people don't talk about it, it's called there are no absolutes. There is no ultimate truth. And so when you don't have that, you succumb to what's called situational ethics. Meaning in every situation, you get to take a look at it and you get to determine what's right or wrong. What that does, that leads us to a spirit of lawlessness. That there aren't any absolutes. There's no really rules. There's only situational ethics. So I get to determine what I want to do. And that allows us to step over the line of the rule of law, both in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm. I don't know about you, but I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that or you don't do that, pick up a morning paper. Watch an evening newscast. And you know what you're going to see a lot predominantly? A spirit of lawlessness. I did this this week. I watched the uh, uh, 6 o'clock news. And for about the first 10 or 15 minutes, you heard about a murder. You heard about a robbery. You heard about lawlessness in a lot of different forms. It dominates the news. And when we see that, when we... Hear that when we look at that, 
we need to realize that that is a growing sign of the end times. Now, again, if all I was going to do is talk about lawlessness today, I'd give you a lot of statistics. So I can't give you a lot of illustrations just because of the time frame. But you know what? If you take a look at what's known as ISIL or ISIS, they're the poster boys for world lawlessness. No rules. Do whatever you want to do. Now we think, well, that's over there, and we do know that it may be coming to our shores, but it's the spirit of Antichrist that infests and creates lawlessness. Let's get it a little closer to home, even though it's not here in Fort Collins. Anybody ever heard of a, a town called Chicago, Illinois? Statistically, murders are up 72% in 2016. They've had over 3,000 shootings. We use that because there's a lot of focal point towards Chicago, but listen to me. Statistics say there are 17 other cities in America that have more than Chicago. Rioting. Remember Ferguson? I'm not going to get political here. I'm not getting racist with you. But how many of you know when all that took place in, in, um, in Ferguson, what was going on? Rioting. And they were looting. They were breaking down windows and stores and going in. How many of you know that when, when there's a blue light special or a black, whatever they, black Monday or whatever they have, people are running. They're running over each other to get what they want. It's a sense of lawlessness. My friends, the Bible says in the last days, you will see an increase of lawlessness. So I want to encourage you. When you watch the evening news, when you read the paper, when you see this going on only not only in Western culture but around the world, you know that the end times are there and they're increasing because of the spirit of lawlessness. Number two, a sign of the last times is deception. Is deception. Right there in Second um, Thessalonians where we were, First of all, if you look at verse 3, it says, let no one deceive you. Why, why would Paul even say that if there wasn't the potential for being deceived? Right? And then if you look over at verse 11, when people begin to be very lawless in regard to God and other human beings, it says, and for this reason, God, God will send them a spirit of deception or strong delusion. Please hear me, Christian. This is the most alarming and concerning sign I have for modern day Christians. Because Christians are the ones that are being targeted with this spirit of deception in the last days. Let me turn you to a couple. Of, if you turn over to Matthew, if you have your Bible, chapter 24. Chapter 24, look on the PowerPoint. I'm sure that it's up there. At least I hope it is. In uh, Matthew 24, Jesus says, Take heed that no one deceives you. This is a chapter speaking on the end times. Do you think, do you think he's speaking to non-believers, non-Christians, people that don't know Christ? I don't think so. 
He's speaking to the church predominantly. He says, take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive. What's that word? Many. Many. The Bible even goes on to say that that many uh, will be deceived, possibly even the elect. And if you look over uh, at verse 24 in that same chapter, it says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to what? Deceive. There's coming a day and there's coming a leader and there's coming religions that are going to do miracles that are going to blow our minds. They're going to do signs and wonders that are beyond the natural. And if we're not careful, we're going to go, what? That's incredible. That must be from God because it's a miracle, because it's a sign. It's a wonder. But we need to have discernment because a spirit of deception will usher that in. If you go over to Second Peter chapter 2, real quick, too. Hebrews, James, Peter, second book, verse 3. That's not right. Oh, because I'm in chapter 1. I'm having a hard time today. My, I think it's my shirt. I think it's bothering me. I think it's just... It's so bright and out there that I'm just, it's just, I'm just not right in, the, right in the zone today. But anyway, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deception. They'll be about their own agenda. And here's the point, folks. One of the most alarming and concerning things I have for Christians today is that in the last times... The Bible says that people will be deceived. People who call themselves Christians. People who are regular churchgoers can and will be deceived. We need to have a little bit of a holy fear. We, in America, we've got this belief, well, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, and so everything's fine, and I'll, I will not and could not be deceived. That is not true. You are not out of the woods. I'm not out of the woods. That's why I'm here to preach the message to you that we need to be alert. We need to be prepared because I could be deceived. You could be deceived. And we got to be extremely careful about that. Matter of fact, I believe today there's a great war of deception that's already in the church of Jesus Christ. I was writing, I still run my ministry, Life Connections Network, and I I was sending out... uh, 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 some letters to them. I still do that ministry and, and still 10% of uh, my income is ministering to pastors and churches here and around. And I was talking about how I believe deception has slipped in even to the church today. When we don't totally trust and believe in the Bible, the Word of God. We have people sitting in church today who have opinions and preferences that are contrary to this book, and they call it okay. That's deception. Are you smarter, bigger, broader, more authoritative than God through His Word? 
No, none of us are. And I'm concerned there's also some of that deception when we don't believe in the authority and the reliability of the Bible. Hey, my friends, when hard times hit and persecution comes, and it will, we can be deceived by our own compromise. We will be deceived to compromise. And when we compromise, we endorse our own deception. My friends, we're the target. You're the target. If you are a strong, born-again Christian, the evil one attacks you through deception. We've got to be very careful. Number three, I've got to get rocking and rolling here. Humanism and progressivism. One of the greatest deceptions, I want, to, I want to pinpoint it now. To say we're deceived or people get deceived, that's a little bit broad. Let me narrow it down and put it into the lane. I believe one of the greatest deceptions that is happening in America in the church today is under the banner of humanism and progressivism. Those are two kind of contemporary terms, and people don't always understand them, but I really believe they're a form of deception. Humanism either discounts or disregards or denies God and His ways and His truths and His responsibilities. Humanism makes man the center. Mankind is king. Mankind has the opportunity to set its, its own rights and its own rules and sets up its own uh, destiny. I got a, a text the other day from a man in a different city, in a different state, and his church is going through a lot, what transpired. And I'm just going to be honest here. I'm not saying everybody's going to agree with me, but please hear the point of humanism. This man grew up in a Christian home, very solid. I mean, goes to church all the time. And uh, what's going on in his church is there was a, a man who grew up into leadership into the congregation. And he straight, struggled with same-sex attraction. And he finally got to the place of uh, struggling with uh, this struggle. And so he gave up that struggle and that fight and he decided that God had created him gay. I know that's a controversial issue, but you know what? I'm not going to shy away from it. And I've told you before, man, I love everybody. I believe everybody was created in the image of God. And it's my right and responsibility to look at everybody, no matter what situation they're in, and to love them. And I have friends that are homosexuals. We've had people in our church in, in past that, that uh, uh, participated. I know people who are married, same-sex marriage. And they'll tell you, Jeff Crabtree loves me. Jeff Crabtree cares about me. But Jeff Crabtree disagrees with me on some of these things. And so what the church had to do was finally say to this man, we want to help you through that. And he got very rebellious and basically said, no, and I'm going to stay in leadership and I'm going to stay in the church. And they said, you know what, we're going to ask you to leave because that's not what we believe here. Now, listen to the point. I'm talking about humanism. I'm not talking about homosexuality or all of that right now. Uh, but here's the point. And I do not look down at people that are struggling with any sin or any issue we have. But this guy said to me, does the Bible speak that homosexuality is a sin? 
This guy's probably 46 years old. He's been in church his whole life. And he doesn't know. And then he asked me for some passages. And then he says, what do you think about what's going on in my church? He said, well, the elders have asked that person to leave because he did not want to repent of that and wanted to go ahead and espouse his homosexuality in the church. And so the elders have asked him to leave. Now, here's the point. Listen to it. Listen. He said, I don't think that's very loving. That's characteristic of a humanistic thought. As if we can understand God. If God is to be like us. So what I said to him, I said, well, you have a daughter. And uh, she's 18 years old. And I know you're praying for her purity and the godly man. What if she brought a young man into your house and decided to be involved in sexual intercourse down the hallway But because you want to be loving, you'd say that's okay. He said, oh, no. What would you do? And he said, well, I would tell her it's not okay here. Because I do love you. I'm not going to allow you to participate in that in my home. Is that what you do? Yeah. Do you hear what you're saying? You're saying it wouldn't be okay in your home. But it's okay in the church because it's not loving. That's humanistic. It's making man the center of what they want to do or how I evaluate it. I'm not God. i got to look through God's perspective. I'm really behind. Let's get going. What about progressivism? What a fancy word. Have you ever heard it? You're hearing it in the election. It is becoming more predominant. It's a sign of the end times. It's one of the deceptions of progressivism. Here's what progressivism is. It's a belief that man and society are getting better. It's evolution, if you will. And so what happens is the old needs to be be replaced with the new. The old is outdated, and so a progressive thought is the new needs to be embraced. Here's what happens is the Bible and the Constitution are old documents. uh, In a progressive thought, they don't have merit today. See, we are an evolving humanity. We're an evolving, progressive people. We're a progressive society, and so those documents need to be put out for contemporary. My friends, that's a deception. And it's a characteristic of the end days. And you're seeing that, my friends. You're seeing an increase of lawlessness. You're seeing an increase of deception. You're seeing an increase of humanism and progressivism. These are all warning signs and signals to alert us the end days are here. They're growing, they're intensifying, and they're moving forward. Four, political and government chaos and instability. To usher in the last days, chaos needs to set the environment. Chaos will be political in nature and will impact governments across the globe. I'm going to go through this pretty quick, but currently the, um, the reality of this is most pronounced in the Middle East. 
you see that chaos and instability politically, government in Iran, in Iraq, in Afghanistan. You see it in Turkey. You see it in Syria. You see it in Lebanon. But you know what? The Middle East is not the only place where we're seeing political and governmental instability. You're finding it right here in the United States of America. Turn on your TV and watch what's going on in America today. We're more divided. We're more divisive. We're more hostile. We're more uh, crazily upset than ever before. That should be telling you, alerting you, this is not just America. This is not just a political election. This is a sign of the growing of the end times. And it's on the increase. Number five, false Christs and false prophets. We read that back in Matthew 24. We're aware of this because of what Jesus said. Religion is a major target of the enemy and a characteristic in the last days. People will fall prey to deception, buy into humanism and progressivism, and that will spark alternative religions. They'll spring up everywhere. Now, when things are semi-stable, they'll pop up in little places and not have a whole lot of impact. But the Bible and Revelation seems to in, uh, encourage us that there is going to be some kind of major world event, cataclysmic event, which will give rise to false religions. Right now, as I'm talking to people, I see people, what I call it, a mixture of religion here in America. They mix a little, uh, a little Christianity in and a little Buddhist, Buddhism in and a little Hinduism in and a little New Age in. It's right here. If you talk to people who don't know the Lord and you get engaged them, you'll find a mixture of religion. That's a deception. And matter of fact, everything leads into this last point here. Globalization. Have you ever heard that term? And you're going to hear it more and more. It's a sign of the last times. I tell you, you're going to hear it. It's really a dolled up and fancy word that's misunderstood. The language is a precursor to try to unite humanity with one world government, one world religion, and one world economy. You find that, read Revelation 13. Read Revelation uh, 17. Read Second Thessalonians 2. How many of you know that there is a coming one world government? There's a coming one world religion. And there's a coming one world economy. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how that's going to happen. But I can see it better than I saw it five years ago or 10 years ago, or 50 years ago, is because the world is in chaos. Governments are fighting. Religion is at an all-time uh, pinnacle of war. Now listen to this. I read some uh, uh, economic uh, different uh, writers, and this guy seemingly, you couldn't see that he was a believer, but he mentioned, and I, if you don't know this, this is why you have to dig a little deeper if we just go on with status quo, we might not see some of this. This is an economist who says that because of the global debt, how many of you know our world is in debt? 
Japan is a mess. Europe is a mess. The euro is a mess. Just look at Brexit. America's a mess. We're $20 trillion in debt with entitlements. They say we may be 125 or 130. Listen, trillion dollars in debt. 71 cents of every dollar goes to entitlement. How many of you know that the baby boom generation has just started to retire? And it used to be that 10 workers would uh, uh, supply one person. Now it's two to one. How are we going to get out of this debt? Here's the point. They believe, they're saying we're moving to a cashless society. Have you ever heard that? Most people don't know that. I didn't know that until I started digging deeper and reading a little bit about one world government, one world economy, one world religion, and see what's going on. They say it's because that they can control a band once you start coming back so that they can control uh, the cash by terror groups and, and by uh, malicious groups and by uh, uh, taking care of crime. They'll be able to watch everything, every dime, because you won't have any cash. But with the world in great debt, how are we going to get out of this? My friends, something cataclysmic will happen in our world which will give the Antichrist an ability to rise up and create a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world religion. And what I'm saying to you, when you put the glasses on, go ahead, guys, come on up, man. When you put the glasses on and you start seeing through these six things, lawlessness, Deception, humanism, progressivism, chaos politically and in governments. You see false Christs and false religions, and you see the increase of globalization. My friend, we need to be very alert. We need to be very aware that that means we're living in the last days. Three things real quick. So three priority actions that you can I can do. Okay, Jeff, you brought that up. I need to look at that. I think you're true or I think you're off base, but I'm going to consider that. What do we need to do? Number one, and I'm, I'm not going to read these scriptures. They'll be up there, but I want you to go home with your bullets and take a look at it. First, we need to endure. Christians need to endure in the last days. It means to suffer patiently. How many of you like to suffer? Suffer patiently. It means to remain in a previous state. It means to accept that which is unpleasant. The opposite of enduring is compromise. Please hear me. And you know I'm pretty bold on this. Without a biblical conviction and without supernatural courage, I believe many will be overcome. Many will yield. Many will compromise for their own comforts and conveniences. And you know what? I'm not preaching at you. I've been thinking about this. I live a very comfortable life. Many of you do too. We got a roof over our head. We got some nice toys. We got a car. And we got all these things. But what if, in the end days, it got that Christians were being persecuted? It's here. I'm telling you, Christians are going to be more persecuted. The church is going to be more persecuted. What if they knocked on my door as a pastor and said, hey, you either quit doing that or we're going to seize your property or throw you in jail? I don't know. I better have conviction and courage so that I can endure, so that I don't compromise. 
Number two, obey. The scripture, Jesus uh, basically hits the nail on the head. Obedience is what's required to receive the reward and the prize. When things get dark and hard, I wish I could build, I wish I could paint you a rosy America. That everything's going to be fine. We're going to go back to prosperity and, and everything's going to just work out the way we want. We're going to have our nice 401ks. We're going to be able to retire real comfortably. Everybody's going to leave us alone and we're going to have our own dream of what we want for our lives. I wish I could paint that picture. You might call me a pessimist, and I might be, but I want to call myself a realist. I don't want to put my head in the sand. But the point being is that we better be ready to obey. Obey God and His Word at all costs. And I'm going to need you to help me do that. I believe you're going to need me to help you do that. I believe we're going to need each other to do that so we don't give way to compromise. To endure and obey. And the last one is to overcome. I'll take you there real quick. Go to uh, Revelation 21.7. We're almost done. I'm going. I'm going. Watching your watch. Come on now. Revelation 21. Look at verse 7. Is that what I want? I'm having a hard time today. That's for obedience. Um, where am I at? I'm in 22. I can't wear the shirt again. It's just, it's just too bright. It's got, it's got me off. You guys are sitting there going, man, I can't fall asleep today. His shirt. 21-7. Oh, yeah. He who overcomes shall inherit. It doesn't say simply he who is a Christian. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. The reality is um, to defeat an opponent, to defeat what's coming, we're going to need a spirit of overcoming so that we can be victorious. We must be victorious. Here's the point. We need to pray for each other. Stand with each other. To help us all overcome. I don't know. He may be coming this afternoon. Jesus may be coming next month. Jesus may come 10 years from now. Jesus might be coming 100 years from now. But the Bible says to Christians, be alert. Be prepared. Because he'll come as a thief in the night when you are not expecting if you think you're going to have a corner on the market and you'll be ready, you're, we won't be ready unless we're getting prepared now. So I encourage you, take a look at these six different things. Study, pray. You can add to me. This is not exhaustive. But my friends, we need to be ready for the last times and the last days. In Jesus' name. Let's stand. Let's sing our final song. Here I am Here I am Down on my knees Again Surrendering all Surrendering all Find me here Lord as you draw me 
desperate for you, desperate for you. I surrender. Change my soul as mercy and grace don't fall. I hunger and thirst. I hunger and thirst. With arms stretched wide, I know you hear my cry. Speak to me now. Speak to me now. I surrender. I surrender. I want to know you. I want to
interesting I have three children as we close and I told my kids that uh, I was going to share about this and uh, all three of my kids said well dad I hope it's not too soon I want to get married and and I want to advance my career and I want to have children and to my response is I want you to get married (laughs) 29 26 25 I have the spirit of grandpa on me. I want you to have kids. I want you to have a career so you don't rely on me financially. But the point I said, you know, in 1978, everybody told me the world was coming to end, Jesus coming back. Listen to me. The point is not to try to predict when. It's to see the signs and to just be prepared. And it is about surrender. It's just to say, God, you know, I'm not living for today. I'm Really, I am. But I want to need to live for eternity. So please don't hear me. Oh, Pastor Jeff said it's going to happen in the next week and I need to go sell everything. No. My point today is Christians, be alert. When you see the increase of lawlessness, deception, humanism, progressiveness, Political chaos and instability, false Christ, false religions, and the increase of globalism. Just be aware. Just be alert, church. Okay? God bless you. Have a great day. Love you very much.